Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Welcome to the Boneyard with Steve Robertson. As always, I am your good friend and host, Steve Robertson, here on the Magnificent Monday edition of The Yard. Even though I don't feel very magnificent today, spent the weekend in Lexington, Kentucky. Uh, it was not a good experience, and uh, I, I say that, and that's not a reflection of the fine folks of the Bluegrass or the Commonwealth of Kentucky. It was just a very, 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 very miserable weekend. Uh, that said, if you came here looking for a pity party, you're not going to find it. But I'm not going to sit here and make excuses for anybody. I'm going to call it exactly as I see it. And then uh, we're going to move forward and hopefully find a way to win some football games. But um, it's one of those deals that gets very frustrating. You know, I think about all the things that happened over the weekend. And, man, I tell you what, if, you, if you're a Mississippi State fan that loves football, man, it was a really painful weekend. And not just because of what happened in Lexington, but what happened to Dak Prescott yesterday. And uh, you guys obviously well aware of the things that took place. Dak Prescott had season-ending surgery yesterday evening. They deemed a success, uh, the, the surgery a success. And now he'll begin rehabilitation. And if you know anything about Dak Prescott, he will work even harder uh, and come back even better. But uh, the fact that he's on a franchise tag and in a contract year and then suffers a season-ending injury, what does that mean for him economically? Well, I think Dak was on en route to uh, to a record-breaking year and, uh, you know, we'll put together some huge numbers and was still player of the game yesterday, even though that, uh, you know, he left with the injury. And they're not too malicious about it, but it is very, very similar to the injury that Nick Fitzgerald uh, suffered a complex fracture and the displacement of the foot. And as soon as we all saw it, we knew exactly what it meant. Uh, There was no tape. There was no rehabilitation. There was no cramp. There was nothing minor. We knew that it was a very serious situation, and it is. And so our thoughts and prayers are with Dak and his Prescott and his family, pardon me. And, uh, you know, listen, people say, well, you know, Jerry will do right by Dak. I, I don't know that I agree with that. Jerry hasn't done right by Dak. And, uh, Jerry's made some comments in the media that, that uh, listen, that hadn't said well with most people that are supporters of Dak. And let's be honest, many of us are bandwagoners with the Cowboys. I'm a Pittsburgh Steelers fan and then a Dak Prescott fan. And so uh, I don't think I'll be watching any more Cowboys games the rest of this year because Dak's not playing. I suspect many of you are probably in the same category. I don't know, though. But uh, I, I want what's best for Dak Prescott. If that happens to be that he gets a uh, – you know, a lifetime achievement award and uh, becomes the greatest Cowboys quarterback of all time, then so be it. If that means that Dak goes to the Jacksonville Jaguars, the Indianapolis Colts, or the New England Patriots or whatever, then that's what I want too. I want what's best for Dak. And to be honest with you, I don't really care what's best for the Cowboys. I, my rooting interest is Dak Prescott. And so my allegiance will be with him wherever he goes. And I guess if he goes to the Cleveland Browns or somewhere, then I'll have uh, – it'd be kind of complicated for me. Pittsburgh Steelers, the most prestigious NFL franchise of all time. Nevertheless, hoping for big things for Dak. I'll remind you guys, too, if you hadn't been to Bulldog Burger Company, you're missing out. 
listen, we got a lot of Bulldog fans that can't make the games. And many of you this weekend, listen, you want to come to Starkville, you want to be able to go shop around and support our local vendors, we're going to encourage you to do that. And if you don't have tickets to the game, go tailgate with our friends at Bulldog Burger Company. You know, even if you just want to go congregate with other fans who are similarly situated with you, you can go do that. You can have a cold beer. You can have a great meal. You can have a great time at Bulldog Burger Company. Two locations to serve you right here on University Drive in Stark Vegas and on Gloucester Street there in Tupelo. Two fine locations, uh, fully staffed, fully stocked, ready to get things rolling for you. And listen, I said this many times, our Starkville vendors certainly need your support. Listen, everybody out there struggling, anybody that's in business, especially those that uh, you know are independent, you know, our small business owners, uh, had a really rough stretch, probably more so than most, when the announcements were made that we're canceling baseball and we didn't have summer camps and and then limited attendance for football. So if you can come up here and spend some money with our folks, we certainly would appreciate it. I know the folks at Bulldog Burger Company would. Again, two locations to serve you, Starkville and Tupelo, the place where people go to meet, M-E-A-T, Bulldog Burger Company. All right, so as painful as it is, let's run it back. You know, interestingly enough, you know, we win the toss at OSU. We win the football game. We lose the toss against Arkansas, Kentucky. We lose the football game. Not that I'm superstitious, but uh, these are the things that I kind of pick up on. But uh, be that as it may, Kentucky wins. Elects to go on offense first. I thought that was an interesting, a very interesting decision. But, it, you know, it almost worked out for us. I, I thought, you know what, you, you like to go on defense first, especially if you feel like that you've got, uh, you know, kind of a wounded duck back there. Uh, Mississippi State, I mean, an offense that's still trying to find a sense of itself and find some identity. I, I think maybe you, you kick first, and that way you get advantageous field position. They like to go offense first. And we knew Terry Wilson was a dual-threat guy. But I really thought outside of one play, the state defense did a great job kind of containing him and put him in some situations where he, he struggled to throw the football. He is exactly who we thought he was. But Terry Wilson opens up with a run for six. They come back with a run – for three with Rose and brings up a big third down. And listen, we almost get the stop. We almost get a three and out. Uh, Rose on second ever gets across with a first down. Wilson complete to Josh Ali for 17 yards. And you think, okay, here we go. But you'd be wrong. Rodriguez goes for three. I really like Chris Rodriguez. I think he's kind of an unsung hero in that Kentucky uh, scheme. Really runs the ball hard. Terry Wilson incomplete to Justin Rigg, makes it third and seven. And then we nearly get to Terry Wilson. He gets uh, gets a, a short gain for three. Then they have to punt, take a delay of the game. And uh, then we're backed up inside the five. Kind of the same deal we've had in recent weeks. It seems like we, we rarely ever get advantageous field position. We're always going to be backed up. You know, we've had some opportunities, too. Like against Arkansas, we had a drive to 30 and drive to start at 20. We didn't get anything out of it. And, again, that's kind of an indictment on the offense. But um, so we come right out. The very first snap of the game, we get a pre-snap penalty. We had that two years ago up there. Dollar Bill uh, gets a false start, only backs us up to two yards, and we're complete to Cowan for one. And it was apparent we were trying to get Cowan involved early. We're incomplete to Cam Gardner, and he appears to be the first quarter wide receiver of choice. It's like we, we don't see him later in ball games. That rotation's kind of difficult to catch on to. But it seems like early in the ball game, maybe it's because Cam Gardner, we know, is a possession receiver and is very sure-handed. But we're incomplete to him, and then we go back to him, we're incomplete again. We punt uh, Tucker Day with a 42-yarder, and I thought Tucker Day had a huge day. It's it's interesting to see Tucker Day kind of quietly having, you know, potentially all-SEC type year. 
and uh, kind of it's, it kind of shows what kind of seasons it's been. Uh, so Kentucky gets the ball back, and then again Wilson goes for nine, incomplete, and we bring up again another third and one. Again, a chance to get off the field. We don't. They get to two, but then they're incomplete out in the flats of Justin Rigg. Terry Wilson runs for a loss of two, technically a sack, even though it's in the book as a run attempt. Uh, the Bulldog rush did a good job getting there. Then incomplete to Allen Daly. Again, they uh, they pooch punt it this time down to the 11. But, again, defense playing strong. You know, getting us off the field. Uh, it You know, it's one of those things, too, where three and out will be big in his first two drives because you're able to kind of get some better field position. But we come out there and we, we, we get a good start, it seems. We're complete to Tyrell Shavers for six, and we're complete to Peyton for four to first down. Complete to Colin Hill for seven, and it feels like, okay, we're already out around the 30. We got a chance. Complete to Colin for one, brings up a third and two, and what do we do? Pre-snap penalty again, puts us in third and seven, an obvious passing down. We're incomplete to Tyrell Shavers, and we're punting. Tucker Day with a 65-yarder down to the, to the Kentucky 11. So we flipped the field here. And to me, it feels like, okay, so we're finally winning the battle of field position, and it looks like it's going to be a defensive game. So maybe perhaps we've got an opportunity here to make something happen. But again, defense has done their job. Special teams has done theirs. Now we just need to get another stop, and then we have a chance to get some plus field position. Well, they help us. They get a false start, makes it first and 15. So right out of the gate, they're off schedule. You know, they're not, they're not able to kind of get in second medium. Then they're incomplete to Josh Ali Forbes on the on the play there. Now it's second and fifteen. You got to feel like okay, we're about to get off the field here. Terry Wilson runs for three. Jack Harris with a stop there. Then complete underneath for Rose who runs for eight out to the Kentucky seventeen. So you, you've done what you needed to do now. And then again, special teams is big. Max Duffy with a fifty-seven yarder. Austin Williams gets a nice return out to the thirty-eight. Now you're thinking okay. Now we've got a chance because with the first down, we're basically right there at midfield. Well, here we go. KJ, again, complete to Cowan for eight, and then Cowan runs for two. It's the first down after the state 46, uh, I guess it's the 48. Then we're complete to Peyton for 10. At this point, I thought, okay, now, now we're moving. Now we're getting it going. Complete to Osiris for a loss of two, puts us behind the chains. Cowan runs for two, brings up a third and 10. And you think we're in trouble, but we check it down to Cowan, who gets 12. And now we're at the Kentucky 30 for a first down. Seems to be we're in a great shot. Well, then we have a team loss here, five yards. Complete to Jaquavius Marks for two. And then what do we do again? Again, we got a chance to do something, and it's a pre-snap penalty on Cam Gardner. Now backs us up five. Now it's third and 13. We're in a predictable passing down. And then we're in some kind of trouble there. And uh, that, that was kind of one of those things. A lot of self-inflicted issues there. We're incomplete to Colin Hill. Jamar Watson gets some pressure because we have trouble blocking three, even though we have five in. We elect to take a long field goal. Brandon Reese takes a shot from 56. It was online, but well short. And uh, it seemed like it was just kind of the beginning of that sort of day, you know, for us. Yeah, a lot of people kind of question the decision to go for the field goal there. Yeah, I'm okay with it because Ruiz has the range to make that kick, even though we didn't. And another thinking is, okay, well, let's let's punt them back here and put them, pin them back deep. But I think when you get an opportunity to put some points on the board first, especially when you're an offensive who have been struggling, I kind of get the call. I'm okay with the call. It didn't work out for us. But uh, it's one of those deals that, um, you know, you just – you got to go them try to make some things happen. Of course, Kentucky scores the next drive. But, again, it's, it boils down to one play. And, and many times that's a situation. You can play good defense the, an entire series, and then one guy breaks contain, and here you go. 
But they go, Rodriguez goes, uh, rushes for three, and then you get a sack. Tyrus Wheat, one of the, the, the early heroes of newcomers of the year for uh, Mississippi State, gets State in a great situation. It's third and 13. This is one of the only play calls that I really questioned for defense. It's third and 13. You have a very pedestrian quarterback back there that really struggles to work through his progressions. We send six, don't get there. Wilson gets loose for 51 yards. 51 yards down to the state 14, and Rose goes for two, and their touchdown pass to Keaton Upshaw for 12. And it's seven nothing, but it still felt like we were okay. It felt like, okay, maybe we figured some things out on offense. Uh, and really, the, they get through with, uh, you know, the, the big p- play there. It wasn't like it was a sustained drive, not that it didn't count. But uh, you feel pretty good about that. Really felt like State was okay. So we come back, we have a chance to answer. And, uh, again, we start out at 25, complete to Marks for nine, and we're already off and running here, complete to Shavers for six, out to the 40 with two plays. Marks runs for nine. I expect him to be a bigger part of things kind of moving forward. Uh, complete to Marks for two inch of first down, and we're across midfield, and it just felt like, well, here we go. We're going to go put this drive together, and we're going to do a great job. Then we uh, get behind the line again, get behind the chains. We're complete to Malik Heath for a loss of two, incomplete to Osiris Mitchell. And again, Kentucky gets pressure. DeAndre Square, they bring a little bit of a fire there. And there is a personal foul penalty on Dollar Bill Johnson. So now a promising drive puts us in uh, second and 27. We check it down to Kyle and he gets 12. And it brings up a third and 15. We're complete to, to Heath and he runs for eight. And out of bounds to Kentucky 46. We bring in Reed Bowman, the pooch punter, 33 yards down to the 13. And again, here we go. We come out. We have some offensive continuity. Continuity. And... Uh, we shoot ourselves in the foot. Another bad penalty that uh, you know, puts State behind the chains. Despite that, a defense didn't come out there and pout. Kentucky starts. Wilson goes for two, rush for three, and then Terry Wilson incomplete to Josh Ali. We didn't get credited with a hurry there, but we did kind of get some push. And then it's a 52-yard punt from Max Duffy uh, down to the 30, and uh, we get a bit of a return from, from Austin. But again, Offense puts themselves in a hole. Defense finds a way to get us out. Again, we get ready to go. We're complete to Gardner for six and a complete to Payton for nine. And again, already out there near Milled Field. Uh, complete to Colin Hill for a first down to the Kentucky 48. Costello complete to Heath for eight. And again, we're rolling. And there's a personal foul on top of it on Brandon Eccles. So now it's first and 10 at the Kentucky 25. You think, okay, we're about to go tie this game up. Costello runs for five yards, makes it second and five at the Kentucky 20. You figure, okay, this is a matter of time. Nope. KJ throws pass intercepted by Josh Pascal. He runs it back to the 22, or put back to the state two, pardon me. And here's the thing that I'll say about this. You know, there's all this discussion about the postgame press conference and about some malcontents and that sort of stuff. Uh, I think a lot of that's overblown, but here's the deal. I believe in accountability, and Mike Leach is getting paid $5 million a year. If he has guys in that locker room that are being cancerous and impeding our progress of the football program, he has a responsibility to rehabilitate them or release them. Javante Payton is clearly not one of them. How many players do you know would have given up on this play? Javante Payton runs from all the way across the field, sprints, and knocks Pascal out of bounds at the two-yard line to give the defense a chance. It didn't work out. 
But you can win with guys like Javante Payton. I think that that play is somewhat lost in all of the the, the hubris of the of the weekend. Is there was Javante Payton who didn't quit, and that's going to be on his NFL tape too. You know what I'm saying? I mean, he'll probably sign an undrafted free agent deal somewhere. But they're going to say, you know what? This is a guy you can win with. This is a guy that's a competitor. They go right down, of course, and we have the the uh, offsetting on sportsmanlike penalty, which is the dumbest thing in all sport. Somebody started it. Somebody did something stupid. It can't be offsetting. It's a waste of everybody's time and effort. It's dumb. If you're going to throw the flag, then penalize somebody. If it's us, if it's them, whatever. When Rodriguez goes in for two, we're penalized enough. It's 14 nothing. And right there, that's when I felt like, you know what, we're in bad, we're in a bad way here. But you begin to look at the yards and you think, you know what, we're not having the struggles we had a year, a week ago, but we're still not finishing drives. Red zone opportunities, abysmal. Run after the catch opportunities, abysmal. We get the ball back, and again, we get a chance right before the half to salvage something. And if you get a score here because you're getting the ball first in the second half, you know, you got a chance, even as bad as you've played, you got a chance to pull even. We're complete to Jaden Wally for 13. Expect him to be a bigger part of things moving forward. Then we're complete to Cowan for two. Cowan runs for three. Then we're complete to Cam Gardner again for 10. We're already across midfield again, and you're thinking, okay, we're about to go put it in the end zone. Incomplete to Cam Gardner. It was a drop. Incomplete to Jaden Wally. Pass broken up by Bohan. I thought it was a good play there. You complete to Austin Williams for nine. It brings up a fourth and one. We go for it. Cowan goes for three. First down at the Kentucky 35. Again, it feels like, you know what? They can't really stop us. It's about us. If we execute, we're going to put it in the end zone. Marks runs for three. We call timeout. We mismanage the clock horribly. We let what 12, 13 seconds run off. We're complete to Cowan for five. Complete to Malik Heath for 23, down to the Kentucky four. Got a real chance here. We have Heath wide open on the back of the end zone, and K.J. airmails it. All he's got to do is hit him. It's a touchdown. And then we come back and we throw a ball to uh, Jaden Wiley. It bounces off his hands, and it was a little bit high. And it's intercepted by uh, Jermaine Davis in the in the end zone. So now it's, again, you have a game-changing play there. You make you hit Heath or you bring a th- like a throwable pass to Wiley. It's 14-7. Going into the break, you have some confidence, but you can't finish the play. You can't finish the play. So uh, that's it. That's it in the first half. And uh, it's 14 nothing. and you begin to think, okay, well, listen, you know, statistically, State's doing okay, but they don't score the game based on statistics. State had much better offensive numbers. They weren't, you know, what we weren't setting the woods on fire, but we were doing a better job in Kentucky. We come out, open the second half, and I'm thinking, okay, we've made some adjustments. Here we go. We're complete to Austin Williams for five, then Colin runs for four, and then we have an opportunity uh, to go to go on third and one. I actually thought that they should have measured. I thought Colin was – I thought the spot was a little, little sketchy there. It brings up fourth and one. We decide to go for it on fourth and one from the own, our own 34. I asked Mike Leach in the postgame, Mike, what was the thinking behind making that decision? They thought they were going to go hard count and get them off sides. They thought they did. KJ thinks he has a free play, snaps it, throws it out, throws the fade out there, and the ball fall, falls harmlessly incomplete. And then uh, Kentucky takes over. I haven't gone back and watched the play, but there was some dispute among the Mississippi State camp about a flag not being thrown there. They thought the guy was clearly off sides, didn't get the call. At that point, you feel like, Mike, what are you doing? What, what, what are we doing here? 
And he says, you know, we really weren't going to run a play. We're just trying to get them off sides there. Thought we did. KJ felt like he made the decision to was give us a free play. Didn't work out. Defense, again, the offense puts them in a hole, but the defense finds a way to fight out of it. Rose runs for six. Rose goes for two. And then Fred Peters absolutely destroys a scene. Rose recovers a fumble. And uh, there was a lot of discussion. I don't know what it was like on TV, but it took forever for them to make a call. And they ultimately, they get it right. But Fred Peters was adamant from the beginning that it was first down Mississippi State. And so, again, the defense makes a big play, playing well enough to win. Then we're, okay, so we get the ball back at the uh, 25. K.J. complete to Cowan for seven. And it, it's clear that they were trying to get Cowan involved. We're back to Cowan for seven, back to Cowan for three. Second and seven, we're incomplete to Shavers. And uh, the next thing you know, we throw another pick. Now this one here, everybody says, well, you know, I don't know. You know it's, it's, it's a trust throw, okay? It's one of those deals, too, where um, we didn't get good protection. And uh, Quentin Bohanna got pressure up the middle. Phil Hoskins also part of that. Um, and the ball's intercepted. And, again, another promising drive. You know, we're out there in plus territory. Got a chance to go get back in the ball game. We throw a pick. It's been the story of the season. And that one, I really thought KJ kind of hung up for grabs. Yeah, he had people in his face, but there wasn't anything there. You, you throw it up there and you're waiting for a guy to go make a play on you. And to be honest with you, I, there are not a lot of receivers on this offense that are capable of making that play, especially when the ball flipped inside. So Kentucky again starts again. Defense put in a bad situation. Terry Wilson runs for a loss of three. Aaron Brule all over him. Aaron Brule, one of the bright spots of this defense. Terry Wilson incomplete. Forbes is in his face. Kobe Jones in his face. Terry Wilson completes Allen Daly for one yard and uh, brings up a fourth and 12. They punt. And again, your defense playing, dare I say, to a championship standard. Kentucky gets the ball back. Pardon me. Mississippi State gets the ball back. Incomplete to Malik Keith. Gibson in his face. Complete to Osiris Mitchell for five. Brings up a manageable third and five. Then Casella runs for two and uh, crosses the line of scrimmage. And uh, this is one of those plays, too. He probably could have just run for the first down. But even if he didn't, he had he had the deeper receiver wide open. Wide open. And so I don't know if KJ is just lost his confidence. I don't know if KJ just doesn't have a good feel for the game or what's going on right now. But this is a play here. It's bad enough that you don't make the play, but then you impede your own progress by committing the penalty. And and he was well beyond the line of scrimmage. It was a very easy call by the linesman. And then Tucker Day gives you a 63-yard punt. Ends up being a touchback when you're nearly able to get there and cover that thing. So, uh, again, pretty crazy sequence that is about to happen here. Terry Wilson complete to Brendan Bates for 14, and that seemed like the first real passing play they had had probably since the first quarter. Rodriguez runs for 12, incomplete to Demarcus Harris. They're on first down. Rodriguez goes for two, incomplete to Keaton Upshaw. Errol Thompson all in his face. And... Um, then they, the, the deep snapper snaps it over the punter's head. It ends up being a loss of 48 yards, a team rush. And uh, they kick the ball in the back of the end zone for a safety. And that's your offensive output from a scoring standpoint. It took a Kentucky miscue. Now, granted, we had given them some opportunities, too. They had taken advantage. But even though State was gifted two points, we didn't do much with it. We get the ball back, and, and I thought that free kick was outstanding. Uh, you know, 
it's just a w- weird situation. But anyway, so we, we get started back at our own 16 on a dead gum free kick. Rodgers completes Austin Williams for five, back down to Cowan for five. He gets a first down, complete the Shavers for five, back to Shavers for one, then incomplete the Shavers. And then we're punting, and Tucker Day pulls out a 66-yarder down to the Kentucky two. Again, an all-SEC-type performance out of Tucker Day. And it's bad that we're sitting here praising a dadgum punter because we shouldn't be punting nearly as much. Again, defense comes out, gives you a chance to get some plus field position. Wilson goes for a yard, incomplete to Justin Rigg, incomplete to Demarcus Harris. They get it one yard, barely move any time off the clock, and then they get a 55-yard punt. Austin Williams returns it 17 yards to the Kentucky 41. So now you're thinking, okay, it's 14-2. to We've been having trouble sustaining drives. We only got to go 41 yards here to put the ball in the end zone. We go back, make a concerted effort. We go to Colin Hill for four. We go to Colin Hill for one. Now it's third and five. We're incomplete to Peyton. We go for it on fourth and five. We're complete to Austin Williams for 13. Down to the Kentucky uh, 23. So, again, I'm thinking we got a chance as bad as we've played. If you go in and get a score here, it's suddenly 14 to nine. And then you're one play away from taking a lead and winning a ball game. But it's been absolutely ugly. Absolutely ugly from an offensive standpoint. Again, defense playing their, their tails off. This is a family show where I'd say more. Then we're, in, then we're complete to Peyton for five. So we're, again, down to the Kentucky 18, in the red zone again. And what do we do uh, where Rodgers does interception? Will Rodgers intercepted by Jamar Watson. And it's one of those things, too, should have been a touchdown. Listen, ball placement wasn't the best. But I admire the kid going for the throat there. He gets outside, sees this guy flash open. You throw that ball to the outside, it's probably a touchdown. But listen, Osiris Mitchell's got to go fight for that football, too. You know, and, and listen, I'll be honest with you. We have seen some replays where a touchdown's been awarded. He catches it, his feet are down across the plane, and then the ball gets ripped away after he scores, and uh, they really didn't complete the catch. Uh, I can't really argue, but uh, I have seen that call a touchdown before. Be that as it may, it would not have mattered in the final result, I don't think. But that's the thing. With that kid right there, he makes that play. You're still in the ballgame. You're still one play away. Kentucky has all the juice now. Defense still wouldn't let them celebrate. Terry Wilson runs for a loss of four. Marquis Spencer, who may be, may be the most important player on the Mississippi State defense at this point. Then they're complete to Demarcus Harris for four. Nathan Pickering, Marquis Spencer get a sack and, and really overwhelm the Kentucky offensive line on that play. Fourth and 20, Max Duffy punts at 43. Again, we're right there on midfield. Defense does a good job giving the offense a shorter field. Austin Williams returns one out to the 48. And then something still stupid happens here. Demarcus Richardson, I mean, essentially it's a punt we don't even really, really do anything with. We get flagged for illegal block in the back, and it was so bad. It was it was so unnecessary. So you have a chance to be at midfield. Now you're backed up already at 38. We come out, we think, okay, there's 12 minutes to go in this ball game. We just need to finish a drive or two. We've been close. Two interceptions in the end zone. At that point, difference in the ball game. Will Rogers pass and complete to Colin Hill and uh, nearly picked off and returned for a pick six. We put Costello back in the ball game, incomplete to Tyrell Shavers. Looney's in his face, and we're incomplete to Tyrell Shavers again. And we punt. Tucker Day, 62 yard touchback. Incredible. Again, that again, he's the hero of the game. And that and the fact that Tucker Day is says a lot about uh, our play on offense. 
Rose goes for two, and then uh, uh, then they're complete to Ali for five. I thought we did a good job kind of containing Josh Ali, who is their best receiver. Complete to Justin Rigg for 12. And at this point, it felt like Kentucky was driving to put this thing away. Rodriguez goes for 10, incomplete to Ali, and then Rodriguez goes for six. Terry Wilson for no gain. Then they get another delay of the game penalty. We decline it. They punt down to the state two. At this point, we're all just thinking, okay, let's just find a way to get out of here. Let's just find a way to get get to get home because it doesn't seem like we're going to be able to sustain anything. But again, it's still a 14-2 ball game. you got to drive 98 yards to do it, but you got a really good chance here. Uh, or so you think. Pass incomplete to Javante Payton. DeAndre Square on the coverage, nearly picked off. Then we're incomplete to Austin Williams. Jordan Wright on the coverage, nearly picked off. And then finally, after flirting with it for two plays, Costello throws the pick six. KJ intercepted by Jordan Wright, uh, returns at eight yards for a touchdown. And at this point, Church was out. And yes, there was a lot of pressure in the quarterback's face. And that's, again, the part of the bigger issue. There's, we want to centralize this about KJ Costello. Can he play better? Yes. Do we need better line play? Absolutely. That's the thing. How are they getting so much pressure rushing three and four when we have five to protect? And, yeah, you don't have a running back back there to kind of help him pass pro. That's part of the deal. But there's enough blame to go around. we got some receivers that are telling they're dropping the football, not fighting for the football, not elevating and competing for the football. And you got – been bad quarterback play, and then you've got a bad offensive line play. So this is not just about KJ Costello, and so many people want to make it out to be, oh, we let's go start some walk-on. Um, no, here's the deal. Right now, there's a lot of failure on offense, and there's a lot of blame to go around. And so we've got to be better on offense all the way around. It's not as simple as, okay, let's just go make a quarterback change and everything's going to be better. Offensive line play has got to get better. Doesn't matter who you play a quarterback. Wide receiver play has got to get better. Run after the catch, you got to get better. Elevating for the football has got to get better. You got listen. That's the thing too, and that's you know Mike Leach challenged some of these guys in the post game, and I know many of you are kind of upset about that. Okay, get over it. Right, get over it. It's not the Boy Scouts. This is a Southeastern Conference. You know sometimes you got to call somebody out. They didn't call anybody out by name. And I know there's people out there when we get negative. Oh, well, look at what he said. Yeah, okay. Can you imagine what he says privately? The bottom line is this. We're not playing good football right now. And sometimes you got to jump in somebody's hindquarters to get things going again. There has to be some accountability. You cannot sit here and sanction bad play. You can't. Mike Leach is not here to be their friend or to be their scout leader. We're just going to pass out brownies and everybody have a Kool-Aid and wait for their mom to come pick them up. This is the Southeastern Conference. These guys got to be held to a standard. All right, Bulldog fans, our friends from Tecovis want to remind you that uh, it's festival season. It's concert season. It's sundress season. Yes, it is. And you know you need some nice boots to go along with every bit of that. And Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western wear. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and so much more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a very time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comforts. So no break-in period. You know how tough that can be with a brand-new pair of boots. You can put these bad boys on and ride that ride with a smile. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with the same level of style. So stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary beverage or two, shop the new styles, the smell of fresh leather, and a friendly staff are always at your service. 
Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience quite like it. If you can't make it to a store, visit Tecovas, that's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges shipped right to your door. Go to Tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. And here we go already. Oh, we're going to reinvent the offense. Oh, well, I don't understand why we don't tailor our offense to fit our players. Guys, we hired Mike Leach to run his offense. And that's what we're going to do. And this year is a transition year. There's going to be some growing pains along the way. But we're not, listen, we hired an air raid coach. We're not going to run the wishbone. We hired an air raid coach. We're not going to get out here and run a spread option. We're running the air raid. This is about the long play. This is not about one season. It's about getting better as a program and taking the next step. Yeah, we can do what we've always done. Well, let's go out. We'll get some up-and-coming coordinator, and, you know, we'll try to go 7-5, and five, maybe 8-4 and four in a great year. And people are saying, well, Steve, I'd love to have that this year. Yeah, me too. Okay, me too. But if we're going to be competing in the SEC West, we're going to have to do something different than we've always done. And that's going to require some patience. And I know many of you don't have it right now, and that's okay. We all want the same things. But we're not going to get out here and, and, and listen, I love Garrett Trader. I do. I think he is a tremendous competitor. I think he is a team first guy. I think he played hurt last year for us a lot. Guys, we're not going to go out there. Garrett Schrader has not taken a rep at quarterback in weeks. We're not going to trot him out there against Texas A&M to go run the air raid. Because I don't understand. Stop. Stop. So now we're down 21-2. We come back again. We got a drive going. We're complete to Malik Heath for 10 yards. It's good to see him being more involved. We're complete to Austin Williams for seven, second and three. We're down to Malik Heath against the first down out near midfield. Colin Hill runs for three, and there's a penalty on Malik Heath for holding. I thought it was a little bit unnecessary and maybe a little bit of a cheap call, but it was holding. Complete to Gardner for four and back to Payton for six. Bring up third and seven. Costello gets sacked. And you really ran out of bounds there. And, again, it's one of those things you look at. It's, again, about having a feel for the game of football. You're outside the tackle box there. Throw the football away. But instead, we run out of bounds, makes it 4th and 11, and then K.J. sacked again. Uh, and at that point, it was just a matter of uh, – it was all over but the shouting. Uh, McLean rushes for 17. And at this point, I really thought the defense began to give a little bit. And who could blame them? But, man, I tell you what, they could have quit on this drive. They didn't. They give up that 17-yard gain, and they, they they buckle down. Joe Joey Gaywood's in the game. They get him for a loss of two, and, and Gaywood's incomplete, and then a rush for seven down to the 17. They kick the field goal, makes it 24-2. Um, and, again, at this point, it's academic. You know, Kentucky people were celebrating. We were just ready to get out of there. Uh, Will Rogers back in the ball game, complete to Wally for four, incomplete to Brad Compass. The throw was really behind him. And then we throw a pick there on the last play of the game to end the ball game. 
if I had to call it today, I think Will Rogers plays a lot more. I think that I think KJ Costello starts, but he's on a very very short leash. And again, it's easy to lump all the blame on KJ Costello. It's not all KJ's fault. Can he play better? Absolutely. I'm not sitting here defending him, but he is not alone when it comes to the Bulldog offense. Some players that can play better. And yeah, we can sit here and say, you know what? We didn't have the benefit of the spring, which is true. We've got a lot of new faces and new places on the offensive line, which is true. But I still don't understand how three can get pressure on five. And if that means you got to go out there and jump in somebody's butt, if that means you got to move some guys around, if that means you got to put some guys on the bench, then so be it. I'm not going to sit here and say, well, Mike Leach has got to figure it out and then second guess him on the decisions that he makes in figuring that out. We're paying him $5 million a year to make those decisions. Let's run the numbers real quick here before we uh, before we move on. Uh, so it's so it's so wild to look at these things, and and it's again you can get so caught up in all this stuff, and again it's about points. It's about points. KJ Costello goes thirty six of fifty five for two hundred and thirty two yards and four interceptions, sacked twice, and you would think, and say, oh, we only got sacked twice and we dropped back to pass seventy times. Oh, that's pretty good. Well, no. No, because they were in our face the entire day. Uh, Will Rogers in his college debut goes 9 of 15 for 43 yards. There's a couple of interceptions. Uh, the last one, you know, it's just part of it. You know, the game was over. But the first interception, I think you got a wide receiver there that's got to go make a play. Now, if you, if you saw these numbers for Kentucky, if, if before the ball game, if I told you that, hey, Kentucky's going to have played two quarterbacks, they're going to combine to go 8 or 21 for 73 yards, you're going to think we won in a blowout. 73 yards passing. Great job by the defense. State runs uh, 14 times with a net of 20 yards. And that's the thing you think about it. With all these backers bailing out in their drops, there's got to be some running, some draws or something available. You would think of them bailing out. If we can just block a little bit up front, you ought to be able to give that inside handoff or give that draw play and be able to get five or six yards of carry, you would think. Kentucky runs 32 times for a net of 84. That's it. Granted, you had the 48-yard team loss because of the ball snapped over the punter's head. But be that as it may, the Bulldog defense came to play and it showed. Here's the thing, too, I want to talk about, too, because, you know, there's a lot of discussion about, you know, Colin Hill. Uh, Colin Hill led your team in touches. Colin Hill had seven carries, 15 receptions, and uh, yeah, combined to what? For what? Just over 100 yards? Or right, yeah, right. Well, 86 yards. 96 yards. So there is a concerted effort to get him more involved. Now, to hear other people tell it, we're ignoring Colin Hill. We're not. Do we need to run him more? Probably so. Probably because that's what the defense is giving us. Okay, I'll grant you that. But to say that Colin Hill is being ignored is incorrect. Colin Hill is a focal point of the offense. He's also a, a marked man, but everybody knows that number eight at Mississippi State's a stud, and everybody's got a rally to football when he has it. Malik Heath, his best game, six receptions, 52 yards. Austin Williams, five for 39. And again, you see these average yards per catch, and you realize what it is. I mean, you know, we're, we're, we're throwing it out there, and, and we're not getting a lot of run after the catch. Osiris Mitchell, two catches for three yards. Got to get him more involved. Jaden Waller, two for 17. 
Osiris Mitchell's another guy after that first week. People are determined not to let him beat them. And uh, listen, that's part of the deal, too. People see what you do. They, uh, they they put film together. Marcus Murphy, six tackles, leads the team. Fred Peters also with six and had the forced fumble and the recovery. Marcus Murphy also playing pretty well over the top there. Aaron Brule, who is fastly becoming a fan favorite, uh, five tackles, including a uh, tackle and a half, 1.5 TFLs. London Kraft made headlines when he started and uh, has not been in any other by any other team's highlights that I've seen. He has five tackles. London Kraft's acquitted himself really well. Errol Thompson with five. Marquis Spencer with four, uh, including half a sack. So Emmanuel Forbes, two pass breakups, and uh, quarterback Curry. And, you know, we had the play where Forbes absolutely got downhill and blew them up, and uh, they ruled it a safety. I still don't know how there was enough to overturn that call. But, uh, again, I like the fact that these young guys are playing hard and playing with effort and then, and then playing and getting production. But the bottom line is this, is uh, we stuck it up on offense, and uh, we're supposed to be an offensive-minded team. I think I saw the number 223 uh, games that the Mike Leach offense had scored a touchdown, didn't get one on Saturday. So everybody involved has got to do some some uh, some self-searching here. I, w- I want to address – I want to talk about this post-game press conference thing because there were a lot of people that didn't attend the press conference and didn't ask any questions, didn't cover the game – they all got these hot take articles and all these things they want to talk about. Um, you know, maybe I'm wrong, but uh, I don't I don't put a lot of stock in that stuff uh, because people kind of pick and choose. You know what they want to what what they want to know and do and say when um, there's a hot take. They they don't sometimes don't frame things up. But I, here's something that I wanted to read to you guys because I don't I don't know that this has made. Um, this has made the rounds. Everybody takes the thing that they feel that is, uh, you know, the best clickbait, and they run with it. And so I want to f- kind of frame this up for you as best I can because uh, Mike Leach said some things that I thought were very important in the postgame, and I don't know that uh, many people are talking about that. Those are the things that I think about. Uh, as, I, as I rode back from Lexington yesterday, I'm reading all these articles and hot takes as Mike Nemeth is driving – and I'm thinking, you know, we got a uh, got to frame this thing up here. So he talked about the offensive performance, and he talked about the first thing he did is he gave Kentucky a lot of credit, and he says we didn't play together. And you can say a lot of things. We've got to find a way to clean things up. There are three guys up front beat our five. We all saw that. Our receivers did not consistently catch the football. That's true. We were able to get open, true, but we didn't consistently catch the football. That's true. Everything he said is true. You all are saying the same things, but somehow when he says it, you're not being critical of the team, but he's being critical of the team. Okay, get the net, okay? Uh, we turned the ball over, which is a byproduct of the quarterback not being in the right place, some of the quarterback's eyes. Long story short, offensively, we aren't coaching very well right now. So it's like, yeah, here's the deal. We're not protecting well. We're not catching well. We're not getting good quarterback reads. We're not getting good quarterback play. But the bottom line is we're not coaching well. Here it is again. I'm going to give it to you verbatim. Long story short, offensively, we aren't coaching very well right now. I mean, we have to coach better. If you look at this game, nearly every problem that we had was self-inflicted. With a lot of respect to Kentucky, one self-inflicted wound after the next. What do you want him to say? 
Everything he said is absolutely true. Everything. Everything. And it's his offense. It's his staff. He brought his offensive coaches with him. It's not like they're all having to kind of learn on the fly. And he says, hey, guys, this is on us. We're not doing this. We're not doing this. We're not doing this. We have to coach them better. And at the end of the day, that's the thing that I've learned. If you're the losing coach or if you're the head coach of a team that's struggling a little bit, no matter what you say, it's wrong. No matter what you say, no matter what you believe, no matter what you profess, no matter what you change, you're wrong. It's just like that's one thing I was talking to Mike about. You know, it's like all these people jump in your Twitter mentions after you lose a ball game. No matter what you say is wrong. You can't be negative enough. You can't I mean, unless unless you call for the firing of a head coach. Uh, you know, to draw and quarter the quarterback and bulldoze the campus, you're, you're not, you hadn't gone far enough away. And there's all these, these, oh, I'm not going to embrace mediocrity. It's incredible how people expect so much from the football team and their athletic teams, but so little from themselves. And so I don't care about that. I don't care what you, what you're willing to accept. Here's what I know. I am, I am true maroon. And I believe that Mike Leach is going to figure this out. Is it this year? Probably. Is it going to be a great year? Probably not. You know, that's the thing is we had the big game against LSU and we all, including myself, we all thought, man, look how far ahead of schedule we are. And we've got two games coming up. They're very winnable. Man, we're going to be three and oh, we could be four and oh, going to Tuscaloosa. And then we next thing you know, we drop a couple ball games that we should have won to teams that aren't more. They're not more talented than we are. We have a quarterback that uh, struggles to deliver the football on time and on target and has consistently thrown the ball in the hands of defenders underneath in coverage. All right, we got to coach him up. K.J. Costello is a talented guy. He's not playing like a talented guy. He's playing like a guy that's second-guessing himself and doesn't have a lot of confidence right now. And that's what the coaches have to do. They're going to have to get that fixed. Michael Leach has to get that fixed. He has to get K.J. Costello being more assertive. He has to get K.J. Costello playing with more confidence. Our wide receivers have got to do a better job sitting down in his zone. As I shared with you guys last week, they didn't see a lot of zone the last couple of years, so they didn't have to because they weren't athletic enough to command a zone coverage because you could cover them one-on-one. And we couldn't deliver the football. So people committed more safeties to the box. which kind of shut down Garrett Schrader and Nick Fitzgerald in the running game. There's going to be growing pains. And many of the same people that said, hey, we're going to go four and six, five and five at best, are the same people telling you to com- making the same complaints. Well, what you said was right. You said we don't have the personnel to run a scheme yet, and now we're out here running the scheme with the same personnel, and they're meeting the same standard that you set for them, and we're saying, oh, well, I don't understand. What's wrong? Well, you already said it. We don't have the personnel yet to run the scheme. Now, that's not to say that we're going to just grab Mike Leach a, a mulligan this year. You know, Mike's got to figure it out. Mike Leach is a competitor. Mike Leach is a guy that's won a lot of football games. And I, my honest opinion is they're going to be a ball game where it all kind of begins to click for us. We're going to protect better. We're going to have a benefit of a quarterback that's going to probably be on the, the same page as receivers. And listen, I get it. I, I see the same things you guys get. I really thought we'd be losing games the way Ole Miss is losing games. And that's not to throw shade at Ole Miss. I think offensively they've been really, really good. I think no, you, nobody could argue against that. But I thought we'd be getting beat 56-42. And then all of a sudden you see the defense play as well as it has, and you think, man – what are we going to do? And that's what I began to think about. When we have a week when the offense kind of figures some things out, we're going to be a good football team. Are we going to be a great team? Probably not this year. Are we going to live up to our expectations? Probably not. I'm not going to sit here and tell you it's going to be okay this year. But you got to think long term. And I, listen, I see some of this stuff on social media, and it's absolutely shameful. 
calling. We're going to fire the coach. You know, we'll fire Dr. Keenum, fire John Cohen, fire just fire everybody, right? We're going to fire everybody. No, that's not how it works. In order to, to do something we've never done, we've got to do things we've never done to get there. So I'm just going to ask you, I know it's I know it's painful. I know many of you are thinking, man, we're going to kill an egg bowl. But you know what? You thought that pretty much every year since your birth. We can't play the egg bowl until we get here, until we get to Thanksgiving weekend. So let's focus on getting better right now. Let's focus on Texas A&M. And before we do, let's do our top 10 list. MyBookie.com, that's the way to go if you're looking to have a little skin in the game. My bookie's here to help you. They uh, Listen, they're going to give Boneyard listeners a little free cash too. So what you do is you go use promo code Boneyard, and they will match your deposit up to 1000 bucks. What that means is if you deposit 100 bucks, they're going to give you 200 to play with. So you have your 100 and then their 100, so you're playing with house money right out of the gate. Your winning season is here. The NBA Finals are now over. Many of you may have cleaned up. Maybe you picked the Lakers early on. We've got MLB playoffs, fixing to have MLB World Series to think about. You've got you know, the NFL and plenty of college games. Uh, and if you're looking to make it easy for yourself, it's no, it's no easier than my book. You don't have to go get another, go travel and go make your bed in person. You can just do it right there over the Internet. Go to mybookie.com. Use promo code Boneyard. And again, use that code to get your initial deposit up to $1,000 doubled. Simple as that. MyBookie.com, promo code Boneyard. All right, let's see top 10 list. Today's top 10 list is for, uh, you may know him as uh, Baby Fred out on Twitter. Fred uh, Fred was for the former lead singer of uh, the Jackson, Mississippi-based band Storage 24. Uh, he played the Hideaway and uh, was kind of local support for a lot of bands when they came through. And so Fred has said, hey, Steve, he's asked me a couple times, Breaking Benjamin is my favorite band. Would you give me a top 10 list? So here we go. Breaking Benjamin there were years I didn't think I was going to get to see them again because uh, Benjamin had some anxiety issues and, and just couldn't get out there and perform. And uh, they released the greatest hits album without his permission. You know, firing everybody in the band, starting over. I think the band is better than ever. All right, so here's the honorable mentions as it didn't make the top ten. Uh, we're going uh, Breeds, Red Cold River, and Never Again. All those great tunes just came up just short of the top ten list. Here is the top ten. I'm not. We're not going to spend a whole lot of time on this, but. Uh, Top 10, many of you know this because you played that NASCAR PS4 game. Number 10 for me is Diary of Jane. Great tune, kind of a cool uh, premise for a song there. Number nine, one of my favorites, Sooner or Later. Uh, it's about uh, one of those things, you kind of uh, having a negative outlook on relationships. Sooner or later, you're going to hate her. <laughs> uh, number eight, uh, Polyamorous, cool song. Number eight, So Cold, one of the, one of the legendary Breaking Benjamin songs for sure. Number six, Failure. Uh, that's off the Darkest Before Dawn album. It was really kind of the comeback album when Breck and Benjamin put the new band together and Benjamin was was healthy again. And uh, there's not a bad song on that album. So if you're looking to kind of get into Breck and Benjamin, that's the one I would start with. Uh, number five for me, Angels Fall, also off that album. Real popular radio hit, too. Uh, number four, Blow Me Away. I like the original. I don't like the one they did on the Greatest Hits album where they added a female vocalist. Nothing against her. Uh, but I know that Benjamin was not in favor of that, and so it, it kind of gives me a bad feeling about it. You know, um, she did a good job singing it, but um, they kind of did all that behind Benjamin's back, so it kind of it, it kind of stains it a bit for me. Number three, and I listen to this sometimes too when I'm kind of depressed, but it's giving me a sign that there's something better. And uh, cool song, and, and uh, Benjamin wrote this when he was kind of in the depths of depression. Just kind of crying out to God saying, you know, if there's something better, just give me a sign to keep, keep kind of keep going. 
uh, I find the song very therapeutic. I also, one of the things I like about Breaking Benjamin is uh, the positivity. I like the songs, the anthemic songs that kind of push you to uh, to be better and to be defiant and not to give in uh, to the trappings of life and that sort of stuff. Number two for me, I Will Not Bow. And it, many times in my life, this has been my favorite song. I, I love the song, I Will Not Bow. Uh, it's just one of those things, like no matter what happens, no matter what goes on, I'm not going away. I'm not going to give up. Some of you have not listened to Breaking Benjamin, and it shows. It shows in your social media post because there's so many of you ready to give up. Not me. I will not bow. Number one, very similar song is Until the End. I will go on until the end. Very similar song, kind of similar message. That's number one for me. If you like Breaking Benjamin, you're probably going to say, hey, Steve, you missed this one, you missed that one. Listen, I've heard them all. And uh, there are not many Breaking Benjamin songs that I don't think are absolutely, just absolutely cool. Uh, Love all that stuff. And, um, you know, there's, Again, there are people in my family that their top 10 list of Breaking Benjamin would, would be very, very different than mine. Uh, I know my oldest son, Ani, he loves Breaking Benjamin, and I'm sure he's going to message me later and say, I cannot believe that you didn't include this one or that one or whatever. And you can have your own list. Chances are you'd be wrong. But uh, go check out Breaking Benjamin. Today, you'll dig them. Again, if, if, you, if you ask me from a starting point, I'm going with uh, that Angels Fall, Failure, all that stuff is so great. But the, the classic Breaking Benjamin for me, give me a sign, I will not bow until the end. Love those. And somebody mentioned the other day and said, hey, Steve, I wish you'd put a playlist together for each of these top tens. And maybe we will. Uh, I don't know how to do that, but uh, this person said they can help me with it. But, uh, you know, maybe that's cool. And to kind of introduce some of you guys that are unfamiliar with some of the bands we're talking about. But uh, Breaking Benjamin, there you go, Fred. Hope you enjoyed the list. Shout out to baby Fred. Always a very positive Bulldog fan. Always. Sometimes he gets, you know, a little bit over the top with his uh, enjoyment of the Bulldogs. But you know what? We need more fans like Fred, to be honest with you. And uh, Fred coined the phrase clown boy. And even though sometimes he uh, he throws that around a little liberally, I think it's kind of funny. Uh, Fred holds these radio guys accountable. I joke with uh, Jake Wimberly and Bo, Bo Bounds about that all the time. So, Fred, there you go. Hope you enjoyed the list. It was an absolute crazy weekend in the SEC. Let me share with you, too, this, uh, this segment of the show brought to you by Campus Bookmark. Your friend Stan Ray, Miss Kathy Brown, the lovely, talented Susie, who gets more lovely by the day. They're there to serve you at Bulldog, pardon me, Campus Bookmark, excuse me. I'm sure they've had a burger or two, too. But uh, be that as it may, if you're in town, and you should be this weekend to come see the Bulldogs play at M, uh, go by and see them. They can help you outfit your family, your home, your pet, your RV, your office, and everything, Vernon White. If they don't have it, chances are you don't need it. But uh, Kathy Brown could still probably get it for you. So if you can't make it to town, visit them on the World Wide Web at campusbookmart.net and use promo code BSR, which stands for Beautiful Steve Robertson. And that'll get you free shipping on all orders over 50 bucks. We could all use free shipping, especially this time of year as we kind of prepare for Christmas. And uh, you can get uh, all three of my books from them as well. So when you're getting all your Mississippi State hoodies and uh, baby clothes and that sort of stuff, throw in a book or two for somebody else, and chances are I've already signed those. Uh, they're not personalized, but uh, you can still get uh, signed copies from them. Again, that's campusbookmark.net, promo code BSR, beautiful Steve Robertson. So let's take a quick look at the round of the league before we get out of here today. It's an absolute crazy weekend. A&M, 17 points in the fourth quarter. What has happened to Todd Grantham and the Gator defense? They have not been able to stop anybody. I know Dan Mullen right now is kicking himself. 
because they had a chance to really take charge in the SEC East. And now that, that game with Georgia looms large, but my goodness, will Florida be able to hold off other teams before they get to that ball game? LSU scoring a ton of points, but my goodness, what in the world has happened to the Tiger defense? Bo Pelini, man, it's so hard. I got a good friend of mine, uh, the illustrious hind dog. He mentions these things. It's so hard for these coaches to go be head coaches and then go back and be a defensive coordinator again. And they've already made their money. They're taking the big buyout. They're not as hungry. Uh, they, they don't coach with the same level of intensity or aggression. Bo Pelini not doing a good job at LSU. And, and Ed Orgeron looks like a complete fool for his comments about defensively they have looked better at any point than they did last year. The year they won a national championship. Dave Arend is having the last laugh in that deal. Missouri goes down, scores a late touchdown in the fourth to go up 45-41, has the great goal line stand. And even though I thought that LSU was kind of gifted, that Terrence Marshall catch inside the five, he didn't complete the catch. Okay, so I could have seen that going the other way. But you get four shots at it from inside the five-yard line, and you can't get it in. You run twice, and uh, and that's kind of who it is. He, he wants to kind of beat people over the head. They weren't able to do it. There are problems in Baton Rouge. They're one and two, and uh, they got to go play Florida this week. Man, that that game, take the over in that one. My goodness, two good offenses and uh, two ridiculously bad defenses. Uh, South Carolina kind of gets the wood out, forty-one to seven over Vandy. Vanderbilt's awful. South Carolina had to win that game, and good for Will Muschamp. And that's one of those things too. Mike Bobo kind of got out there and stretched his legs a little bit. Georgia, again, reminds Tennessee that they're not quite ready yet. Georgia shuts out Tennessee in the second half. This was quite the game at the half. And if you remember, uh, Tennessee with a big goal line stand just before the half, where Kirby and them are trying to kind of, uh, you know, impose their will. And the next thing you know, they come out in the second half and outscore them 27 to nothing in the second half, really put the game away. Tennessee, again, struggles offensively, and that's going to be the case. They just don't have the skill they once did. Auburn escapes with a 30-28 win over Arkansas. Arkansas clearly an improved team. And I mean, my hat is off to Sam Pittman for changing the culture there because that, that, that's a group that was kind of beaten down. And there were people last year saying that Arkansas might be the worst SEC team they'd ever seen. They go down there and they're a play away from winning that thing at Auburn on the Plains being two and one. So they're one and two. And uh, they'll get Ole Miss this weekend. That'll be awfully interesting to say the least. Speaking of Ole Miss... 48. They put up 48 points on Nick Saban. They lose 63 to 48. We expected Alabama to win the game, expected to win the game kind of going away, but Ole Miss hung in there. Ole Miss scored some late. But listen, this was a 21 21 game at the half. And so you can say what you want, but listen, you know, listen, Matt Corral is playing well for Lane Kiffin. And that's one thing that I said from the beginning Lane Kiffin was a better fit than John Rice Plumley. And everybody like, oh, well, Plumlee's the, you know, the, the, the game changer. No, he doesn't fit the scheme. I mean, and that's not, not a, a shot at him. But Matt Corral, with his ability to, to stretch the field in the vertical passing game, he's done a good job. But listen, at the end of the day, Ole Miss can't stop anybody. They cannot stop anybody. And, of course, Mississippi State loses 24-2. Such a bummer, man. It is. So that's the league. And, uh, and here's the thing, too. You, you start looking at the standings. And people say, you know, is there a great team in the league besides Alabama? I don't know how great Alabama is. You know, Golden has not done a good job defensively. They're giving up a ton of points. They've allowed 91 points. 
91. You know who's uh, allowed the least? Georgia. And Georgia and Alabama play this week. Georgia defense leading the conference right now in points allowed. Mississippi State defensively hadn't allowed a lot of points. You've had, what, three pick sixes so far this year? You've allowed 29 points, 79 points, and, uh, you know, what, I guess 18 of those are pick sixes. You know, so, you know, State's in pretty high cotton there, too. Auburn defensively playing pretty well, not scoring very much, but um, interesting to note, Ole Miss allowed 155 points. You know who's second in the West allowing points? A&M, 102. So there we are. So listen, we got to finish up and get out of here. I, I want to remind you guys too that uh, you know we got books on sale. You can find those at alphadogsbook.com. It's going to be a busy week for me, and so I haven't decided when I want to record Wednesday's show. I may do it tomorrow, and then be able to post it on Wednesday because I'm leaving in the morning. I'm headed to uh, my hometown of Columbia, Mississippi. I will be at Second Street, being I guess from eleven to one thirty. I think that's right. Uh, but I'll be at Second Street being there in Columbia for the uh, the lunch rush. Come by and say hello. Uh, it's only yeah, 11 to 1.30 or 11 to 2. And then on Wednesday, I'll be at the uh, the bully shop there in Meridian. Uh, that also is a uh, like 11 to 1.30 deal. And uh, all this are on my socials. And then Thursday night, I'm with the Starville Touchdown Club. And then on Friday, I am at Maroon & Company. In the afternoon hours, I think that's scheduled to go 2.30 to 5.30, but I'm going to hang as long as they're selling books. And then on Saturday, I am at the Lodge. And then Sunday, I'm at the Lodge, I guess, 10 to 1 or 9 to 1. Whenever they open, I'll be there to 1 o'clock, and then we got to leave and go to the ball game. And then on Sunday, it's uh, Book Martin Cafe. So if you're in Starkville this week, four book signings. If you're in uh, south and central Mississippi, you can catch me there. So, again, Columbia on Tuesday, Meridian on Wednesday. And then Starkville Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And then next Monday, just down the road in Matheston. So we're getting around and we're booking. If you'd like to uh, to book an event, contact me. I can put you in contact with my scheduler. We can uh, figure those things out. But, uh, man, I tell you, I uh, got news when the bestseller list comes out. Instead of Mississippi, Alpha Dogs is going to debut on the bestseller list, which is really, really cool. And that'll be three in a row. And uh, my thanks go out to each and every one of you that have bought the books and supported the books and shared my postings on social media. I'm very, very proud of the book. I love getting the reviews and people saying how much they enjoy those collection of stories. If you love Mississippi State, I think you'll love the books too. And it's alphadogsthebook.com. And if you're looking for Stark Villains gear, and you darn sure should be, it's hoodie weather now. You can outfit yourself and your family, your kids, uh, with those Stark Villains hoodies and T-shirts. And you find those at starkvillains.com. But that's going to do it for today. Again, I'll have a show for you on Wednesday. Not sure if it posts late Tuesday night or uh, Wednesday afternoon. I will let you know. But I will have a show up on Wednesday. If I am a little bit late, don't think that I am being, uh, you know, neglecting you. I'm just in the middle of uh, signing books. That's going to do it. Until then, let's all live our lives in a way we make more friends than enemies and people can see a difference in the way we live. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early, so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts, so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.